Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 22 of the Runner Rams podcast. As always, I'm Gavin Bishow. And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we're going over Ron's last game in the 2020-2021 season for the Rams, sadly ending in a loss to Dayton. So we'll go over that game as well as looking at the A-10 conference at the bracket and the upcoming championship game between the St. Bonaventure Bonnies and the VCU Rams, as well as a look around the country at a couple tickets already punched for the NCAA March Madness Tournament and, of course, our weekly picks. Colin, we got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sound. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. Odom. With four. Odom. 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it. has won it for Rhode Island. Seconds left to the corner. Shot for three by Stan. Terrell down eight seconds. Gonna go right. In traffic, off balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell! And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean State Band. Oh, wow. Terrell from outside. Kingston, puts it in. First and foremost, I want to give a shout-out to Rody.Sports on IG. That's Rody.Sports, all lowercase, Rody.Sports on Instagram for the best graphics, edits, and up-to-date news for your Round Rams men's basketball team, Colin, as well as give our socials a, a follow. On Twitter, it's at RunningRamsPod, and on Instagram, it's at, it's at Running.Rams.Pod. So, Colin, Thursday afternoon at 3.30, the Round Rams – Try to get a spark going against Dayton and maybe cause some havoc in this A-10 tournament, but it's not end up that way in the end. Definitely. I mean, going into this game, I didn't think you or I had the greatest chance to win. I thought they had a decent chance because of their comeback went on senior night earlier in the season. And in previous years, we've seen you or I go on miraculous runs in the A-10 tournament. So it was somewhat within the realm of possibility, but I feel like this game was was kind of like an exact carbon copy of the last two games in the regular season against GW and Duquesne. And this one just was not any different. No, it was not. The game started off going back and forth for the first, I would say, 18 and a half minutes of the game. The teams were trading baskets and it looked like it could trend this way the rest of the way out. But then Dayton went on a spontaneous 8-0 run in the last minute 30 of the first half to take a commanding but not death-defying 40 to 31 lead over around the Rams came out of the break and slowly started chipping back into this one with 1124 left in the game. Rody cut the Dayton lead. That was once eight at uh, once nine at the break only to one as a 56 55 advantage for the flyers. But after that, everything went downhill for Rody as the flyers went on a 15, three run over the next few minutes and the flyers were on cruise control. The wet rest of the way out as Dayton eliminated Rody in the second round of the Atlantic 10 tournament as the Rams suffered an 84 72 loss. I feel like this was just another poor defensive performance. This Rhode Island team really did not contest enough shots yet again to win. And they couldn't really keep up on offense. I feel like they, played a really good first half. I mean, they were up by nine at one point, but then they just let Dayton creep back in. And it felt like you or I was just playing catch up that entire second half. They couldn't make some important shots. They had those lulls on offense where they couldn't score. And 
I mean, you or I did shoot well from the field. They shot about 50%. And on the other side, it was just horrific from three. I mean, 36%. They couldn't make anything from three. I mean, Beatran was the only player that was pretty consistent for three, but he got hurt late in the game. That was a big loss. So I feel like for Rody, the three-point shooting really needs to evolve for next season if, if this team wants to have a shot at competing in the A-10. But defensively, I mean... When you let Dayton shoot 52.2% from three, you're not going to win. I mean, that's that's what teams should be shooting from the field if they're having a good day. But from three, I mean, there's no chance you're going to win if they're making everything. But yeah, I, I feel like the Rams' defensive effort definitely could have been better. They could have contested more shots. They could have made their opponent more uncomfortable. And, you know, the defense was one of the bright spots throughout this kind of lost season, but it really withered down the stretch when these games mattered the most. Yeah, Colin, injuries were definitely a factor in this one as Ron was already without their senior guard, Jeremy Shepard. Alan Batran went down at that point where Ron was coming back. They were down one and about a minute and a half later, past that 11-24 mark. That's when Alan Batran went down. And that prayers up for Alan Batran. He finally kind of came out of his shell a little bit. He did pretty well for the Ron Rams in a game and a half, uh, in, in a, about 30 minutes of work of total game time, but he tore his ACL, his PCL, and his LCL. So definitely going to be a tough recovery for Bertrand. So hoping it to be healthy and hopefully speedy because, you know, this is, this is an injury that can linger heavily into next year. So hopefully Ron, you know, can get him back sooner rather than later, but obviously don't want to rush those type of things, but a big loss for Ron as it does have major implications on if he can play next year. Nonetheless, the main factor here in this one, Colin, was Rhodey's lackluster defense. I said last podcast, they had to keep the Dayton Flyers under 65 to 70 points, and which they did not do. Both teams shot 50.9% in the field, as you mentioned, but it was the other shooting stats that made the difference. Rody shot 36 from three, while Dayton shot 52% from downtown, and Dayton shot a whole 30% better from the charity stripe as the Rams really struggled with free throw shooting. Ron was also out-rebounded out by four and lost the turnover margin by two, so they, did not, they just did not play the basketball they needed to play to win the game against Dayton. The Flyers were led by E.B. Watson, who had had an ex- outstanding performance with 25 points, going 6-11 for down, from downtown. And the Rams did not stop Jalen Crutcher as he had 14 points and seven assists, going 2-4 for four from beyond the arc. And Mustafa Amzil had a great game off the bench for Dayton, getting 14 points for the Flyers. It seemed like Rody really couldn't stop the bigs in this game. In this game, and I mean, not having Mikel certainly did not help. I mean, he, I think he really has to find a way to stay out of foul trouble in these big games where his team needs him the most. And it's, it's hard to beat a team in Dayton that can just dominate down low in the paint. And then it makes it even harder without Mikel. When you don't have that big presence down low, I thought Antoine had a decent game, but when you don't have that one-two punch, it's really hard to defend the Dayton Flyers. And for you or I, I mean, it feels like a broken record on repeat over and over again, but the free throw shooting was just atrocious. I mean, seven for 16, 43.8%. That's just God awful. I, I think if David Cox doesn't make every player on this team shoot as many free throws as they, cl- as they can and practice in the offseason whenever they're in the gym, he should just get fired on the spot because this team, I, I don't think I've ever seen a basketball team that just automatically has a lesser chance to win a game because of missed free throws and missed opportunities at the line than you or I. I mean, every time they're at the line, 
I feel like they're going to miss both. I mean, you better hope they go one and one. You, you better hope. I mean, unless it's Fats at the line, you know, he's the only guy that's going to sink two in a row. It, it, it is just pathetic how they just continually miss these free throws when it's an empty gym. Well, I, I get the pressures on a little bit. It's the A-10 tournament. Your season's on the line. There should be pressure. There should be a little bit of anxiety, but that makes you a better basketball team in the end. But I mean, it's just, it just keeps going over and over again. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know how they need to fix that. I don't know if it's just more practice. I don't know if it's, if it's a mental thing, but I mean, yeesh, that is just tough to watch. And we've seen it all season. It's gotten a little bit better at times, but this might have been the worst. I don't know what it was, but they cannot seem to snap out of that. Yeah, for the Rams, Colin, Malik Martin with the charge was 17 points going in efficient, 7 for 11 from the field. Antoine had 13.6 rebounds. Isha had 10 points. Alan Batran had 11, as I mentioned, before he exited. And... Fats, I think, had a great all-around game, even though getting eight points, but he also got nine rebounds and eight assists. So another stat sheet filler for Fats in his last game in a Rota uniform. I don't think this offense, even though, as you mentioned, the poor free throw shooting, which just kind of dies down any chance of gaining momentum. But in the end, I think Rodon did a good job on offense, spreading the wealth and working as a team. It was just a defense that was just so lackluster and just not there and not present in the game against Dayton. No, definitely. I mean, their defense just did not step up. I, I feel like they did have a good offensive performance. I mean, 72 points is definitely what you want, especially in this game. And I did like what I saw from Antoine and Malik and Ish. I, I know he didn't have the best shooting day, but he still chipped in with a double digit performance and that B-Tran had a good game. I think those four pieces are really what the Rams need to build their team around for next season. I think Antoine is probably going to be like your leader. He's going to be a senior and he's going to need to step up with that leadership role with fats being gone. It could be a little bit difficult because I mean, fats is that natural born leader. So someone needs to going to, someone's going to need to step in that role. But I mean, hopefully you have B-Tran healthy, for next season, I get he's been streaky this year, but I think that would be a monumental loss on the Rams offense, in my opinion. But I think if you have those guys and then the Mitchell twins find a way to develop and then you got DJ Johnson to showed some signs of life this year. I know he kind of trailed off a little bit, but I think if you give him more minutes, more opportunities, he's going to really shine because he has the intangibles to be a great D1 player. We just haven't seen a breakthrough yet. And I, I think that's coming because I think him being a tall, lengthy player who can shoot makes him a very versatile weapon for this team. So I, I think we'll see him really find his way with this team. I do feel bad that Fats had to go out the way he did. I, you could really see the emotion when he when he checked out for that last time in a in a Rams uniform, and he really was a consummate professional for a college athlete. I mean, I think his number really deserved to be in the Raptors at the Ryan Center. He's going to be one of the all-time greats. There's no doubt about that. He is already. I mean, he's already the all-time steals leader. So, I mean, he's really cemented his legacy, even with this difficult season. It's been hard for him this year, obviously, battling injuries, but he's fought through. He's persevered, and I mean, it's going to be difficult without him, to say the least. We, we've seen a lot of great memories from Fats. It's hard to let it go, but hopefully you know, he's able to play overseas. I, I think he has the ability to if the NBA doesn't work out for him, but I think a basketball career is definitely in his future. So, Colin, th there are definitely a lot of questions to be answered concerning next year's team and the status of David Cox, so it will be interesting to see how that folds out next November. Hopefully, 
fans back in the Ryan Center and fans back at all college basketball games. So that would be uh, that would be the ideal situation. And I think you know you can't really fire David Cox in my opinion right now because like John Rostin said, every coach, whether you're like unless you're Jeff Newbauer with Fordham, but they just everyone deserves a break because of COVID. It's all different and not saying it's an excuse to go. What was it? 10 and 15 and 7, 11, the 8, 10. That's abysmal for a team that has so much talent, but it, it's just the, the, the principle that, you know, I feel like we saw, we saw success from David Cox last year and we saw a little bit of it at the end of his first year. So I, I think, you know, obviously he's going to be on the hot seat all next year, but right now he's got to ride the Cox train until, you know, until we have some more data, I guess, and just go on from there. But I definitely think, you know, Thor, Thor Bjorn definitely has to have his hand right over the button for for all of next year until Cox proves something. Uh, because I mean, I feel like last year is really, really, you know, hanging on to David Cox's repertoire here at Rhode Island. If it weren't for that 11 game win streak and you know that national attention, I don't know if he would still be if you get that opportunity to coach next year. So I feel like you know. David Cox is on a somewhat of a short leash until we see more. So that's my stance there. And the Rams finished, of course, this, the year going one in seven in their last eight games and finished the 2020, 2021 regular season or total season with a 10 15 record going seven and 11 in the Atlantic 10 conference Collins, That's going to be our last Rhode Island Rams basketball game. We're going to be previewing uh, and re- uh, recapping. So, you know, end of a season for us, but there's still other college basketball going on council. Let's get right into those. We'll look at the scores around the a 10 concerning the a 10 tournament. We recorded this podcast last Wednesday night. So of course we let you guys know that St. Joe's beat LaSalle, George Washington beat Fordham on Thursday, the fourth Duquesne taking down Richmond after having a great second half, the Dukes led by Michael Hughes, who had a double double. And uh, Marcus Weathers, who also had a double-double for the Dukes, won by 5-67-62. UMass throbbled the four-game win streak. St. Joseph Hawks, 166. We'll see Ryan Daly go out on a tough note for the Hawks. Of course, Rhode Island lost to Dayton. And George Mason taking down George Washington by 14. Jordan Miller had 19 points and 10 rebounds for the Patriots on Friday in the quarterfinal matchups. St. Louis took down UMass by 14. Jordan Goodwin had 18 points and 14 rebounds. Trey Mitchell went out on a season with a 30.6 rebound performance. Devontae Perkins also had 25 points for St. Louis. VCU in one way, I think they should have won by more. They won by five, 73 68. But this was a game VCU controlled all game long. It's the final, you know. Two, two or three minutes where Dayton got back in this one. Bones Highland, a career day, 30 points and 10 rebounds for VCU. And Jalen Crutcher's last college basketball game, he had 21 points and a couple other stats there. And the f- Davidson taking down Georgia Mason by 32 points. The Wildcats scoring 99 points. Kellen Gray had a season-high 32 points and six rebounds to take down George Mason. So a great performance there by Davidson and St. Bonaventure handling Duquesne holding them to only 19 points in the first half and taking the 75 to 59 victory. Oshan Osuni showed that he's one of the best players in the conference, a, a underrated piece of the state Bonaventure team. He had 18 points and 14 rebounds. Moving on to his semifinal games on Saturday, the sixth BCU taking down Davidson by 12. Corey Douglas for VCU had 10 points and five rebounds, eliminating the Wildcats. And St. Bonaventure says so long to the St. Louis Billikins as they defeated St. Louis by 18 
71-53, crushing any chance for St. Louis to really get into the NCAA tournament. Kyle Lofton had a solid game with 12.10 rebounds for St. Bonaventure. So, Colin, the championship is set next Sunday at the UD Arena. That game is at 1 p.m. on CBS. VCU taking on St. Bonaventure, Colin. It should be a good game, and I'm pulling for the Bonnies. As you know, last episode, I kind of said that St. Bonaventure, I believe that St. Bonaventure would win the conference as the first one seed in a while to do so. So I hope the Bonnies can pull it out over VCU. And something to look out for, VCU could be a top 25 team next year, honestly, with the way they're playing and the way they've shown up this year. But if Bones Highland keeps playing the way he is, would it be surprised if he gets into the NBA draft? So... I don't know, VCU, would you rather want to sacrifice a loss in an NCAA tournament trip this year to, you know, potentially be a better seed next year? Probably not. You probably want to take what you can get, but just something to look out for because Bones Highland is being, like, he's projected late first round, and whether he'll stay or not is, you know, key for a VCU comeback next year. And, and again, this could be a rematch next year. I mean, this is a St. Bonaventure team with a ton of juniors. Lofton, Osuni, Attaway. I mean, these are all juniors here. Velasquez, he's a sophomore. So this St. Bonaventure team and VCU teams are, are primed for another visit in the A-10 tournament in a, a deep run. So this could be, you know, a preview to next year's matchup if Bones Highland does stay for VCU and uh, things work out for the Bonaventure Bonnies. Before we get into our picks across the country, Colin, let's go over some of the tickets punched across the NCAA tournament landscape here. We are going to start in the Atlantic Sun Conference where the Liberty Flames defeated Stetson by 13. So the 22-5 and five Liberty Flames are headed to the NCAA March Madness Tournament. In the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference, Moorhead State taking the victory over Belmont by 15. An absolute crushing defeat there with their 23-7 and seven record. The Moorhead State Eagles will be visiting their eighth tournament in their first since 2011. In the Big South, the Winthrop Eagles, the 23-1 studs out of the mid-major conference of the Big South, defeated the Campbell Camels, the Campbell Fighting Camels, by 27, 8-53. So they are headed to the big dance as well as a, a big game. Actually, I took a look into this one. It was a good one between Drake and Loyola. Chicago and the Ramblers, who have had Drake's number this year, took the victory by 10, 75-65. Cam and Cutrig and company, led by Porter Moser at the head coach helm, make their the Ramblers make their first visit since their magic run in 28 team so those are the tickets punched and as well we have two scores to look after two championship games going on as we speak in the Sun Belt number one Georgia State takes on number four Appalachian State and as of right now Appalachian State leads by two as the second half has commenced Appalachian State leads 43 to 41 over Georgia State Michael Alamacy for Appalachian State already has 19 points and there's still 14 minutes remaining in that one. And in the SOCON Championship, UNC Greensboro, the number one seed, taking on the seven seed Mercer, who has fought all the way to the championship game. UNC Greensboro is up 343-40 with 13-40 to play there. So we're going to have a couple more tickets punched tonight, Colin. It's getting that time of year. The big dance is only a week away. Selection Sunday is Sunday. So on the 14th. So very exciting time of year for all college basketball fans. 
Definitely. And, and one thing to note is if Drake is going to get in, you, you think they're going to yeah. get in? I mean, it's I, I don't know. You know, I, I saw something, uh, obviously with a week, you know, the outfit could schedule a game similar to St. Louis, those teams like St. Louis and Drake who are on the outside looking in. Or, well, if you're Drake, you're, you know, very close in that bubble, very, like a coin flip, I think, but probably leaning towards more out than in, but that's just the way of a mid major. But I think with, with St. Louis, they're definitely on the outside looking in, no doubt. So Travis Ford and company, if they want any shot at getting an NCAA tournament bid, they got to schedule a game. You know, Maury Hirschgarten, who we had on earlier in the year, said that maybe St. Louis could, you know, take on Drake. You know, Drake's in Des Moines, Iowa. St. Louis, of course, is in St. Louis, Missouri. So that'd be a good, you know, commute there. Not too bad there for those two Midwestern schools. But I think both those schools got to fight to get a game the next week so they can kind of boost their resume any sorts to help them and hope other bubble teams drop in, uh, in the upcoming game, especially a lot of Power 5 conferences looking at getting get a look at a lot of biz this year. Look at the Big 12. They got six teams in the top 25. The Big 10 has five. So there's going to be a lot of bubble teams from those Power 5 conferences. We'll see how they play out this year, uh, this week in these conference tournaments. So definitely if you're Drake or St. Louis and you have that week off, why not go for it? Even Belmont, who, who lost to Moorhead State, why not get a game in just to see if they can help their resume in the slightest bit hope other teams could drop. Definitely. And, and also, I was watching the games this weekend. I didn't understand why Rutgers was like going to get into the tournament. Like they beat, I believe they beat Minnesota on Saturday. And like they were saying, like they've all but punched their ticket to the tournament. But I was looking at what Rutgers did all year. They had like one big win over Illinois, which was earlier in the season. And they finished 500 in the Big Ten. And they were like four or five wins over 500. It, it didn't make any sense to me. I, there's there's definite teams in the Big Ten. I mean, you got Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio State, like teams like that. But like Rutgers and Michigan State are somewhat on the right side of the bubble right now. It, it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't get why Rutgers is in over certain teams. But, you know, I love the Big Ten. I, I love the Big Ten, obviously, but a little confused about that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But not really sure why Rutgers is considered in. But let's get into the scores around the country. We start with Wednesday, the 3rd of March. Number 10, Villanova took down number 14, Creighton. 72-60, to 60, big win for the Wildcats. Nova gets revenge, but they lose a key piece. Colin Gillespie goes down to injury. So that's a big loss for the Wildcats as they head into the tournament. Definitely will hurt their chances at a deep run. I had Villanova, so I'll take a win there. You had Creighton, so you'll take a loss there. Moving on to Thursday, the 4th, number 3, Baylor took down number 17, Oklahoma State, 81-70. to Bears cruising to a win in Waco, Texas. We both had Baylor, so we'll take a win there. Sticking with Thursday, the 4th, number 15, Texas took down number 16, Oklahoma, 69-65. Longhorns win that tight battle in the Red River rivalry in the Big 12. I had Oklahoma, so I'll take a loss there. You had Texas, you'll take a win. Moving on to Friday, the 5th, our mid-major game of the week. Old Dominion took down Western Kentucky 71-69. to Yet another mid-major game of the week upset here on the Runner Rams podcast. We both had the Hilltoppers, so we'll take a loss there. Finishing here with Saturday, the 6th. Number four, Illinois took down number seven, Ohio State, 73-68. to Io DeSumo scoring 19 points and returning from injury. We both had the fighting Illini, so we'll take a win there. We finished the week with three and two records each. 
So that brings my overall record to 32 and 24 and your overall record to 29 and 27. We'll see what we have down the stretch here. I know it's going to be weird with like March Madness and our picks, but hopefully we can keep it going. Yeah, we'll definitely figure something out for, you know, our brackets. Hopefully we can do like a run and Rams podcast bracket kind of challenge there where we can do something with that kind of source and kind of infiltrate it into our standings there because I need to make up some ground. I'm still, I've been down three games. I feel like forever now, Colin, I feel like I can't make any ground, but we do have a slew of games this week to look at. And, you know, we have a little bit of discrepancy, so maybe I can make a run if, you know, certain things go my way. Let's start with the mid-major game of the week. That game is tomorrow night or as we're recording this tomorrow night. So Tuesday, the 9th of March, Rhode Island, Rhode Island's Bryant, the Bulldogs taking on Mount St. Mary's in the NEC championship at 7 p.m. on ESPN2, Colin. So I'm going to go start off with the hometown pick, the Bryant Bulldogs. I mean, they're one of the most explosive teams on offense. And honestly, if they get in as a 15 seed, you know, they could be a team to take over a two seed because they're an explosive team that's been hot all year long. And just a team that they took down, they took down UMass. They've proven that they can take down, you know, a high quality mid-major like UMass, who is number five in the A-10 tournament. So I believe this team could do damage if they make the NCAA tournament. I'm taking Bryant over Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, I'm picking Bryant too. I mean, we got to show some love to the Bulldogs over in Smithfield. I love Jared Grosso and what he's doing with this team this year. So I'm picking Bryant here too. On to our next game, we have the start of the Power 5 tournaments there. So on Wednesday, the 10th, NC State uh, takes on Syracuse in the second round of the ACC tournament at 12 p.m. on the ACC Network. Colin, who's your pick? I'll go with Syracuse. I mean, this time of year, they're always on the bubble. I feel like they really need to make a run the ACC tournament to get into the dance. So I'm picking the orange here. Go Syracuse. Now the Syracuse... Orange defeated the NC State Wolfpack twice in the regular season, but the last time this NC State Wolfpack team did lose was to Syracuse about in the beginning of February, then a five-game win streak, including a win over Virginia. The Wolfpack are hot, and I believe they can take down the Orange, so give me the NC State Wolfpack in that one. On Thursday, number 12, Oklahoma State takes on number 10, West Virginia, in a blockbuster in the Big 12 quarterfinal at 11.30 a.m. on ESPN2. I'll go with Oklahoma State. I feel like Cade Cunningham is red hot right now. He's leading this team the right direction. They're going to be a scary team if they are allowed in the tournament. I know there's you know, some roadblocks they have to go through to get into the tournament, but if they can get in, they're going to cause some noise. So I'm going to go with Oklahoma State here over West Virginia. The crazy thing about that, I totally forgot about that one-year postseason ban until like it just came up like a couple days ago. I forgot that they were suspended from the tournament for, or from postseason play for one year. But the situation was that is that they're appealing it, and since they appeal, there's been no ruling. So there's no ruling they're allowed to play in the NCAA tournament if there's you know no rule. But I expect the NCAA to come back with a ruling whether they should play or they should not play because I don't think they should let it go unnoticed because you know 
number 10 team in the nation. It's something to definitely look out for and definitely big for, you know, bubble teams right in that bubble. People like Drake, teams like Drake and, and teams like Belmont who are really on that like 69, 70, 71, 60, you know, you know, on that bubble, that one team is, you know, that that's big for, you know, a, a school. So something to look out for there. I think Oklahoma state is red hot with or without Kate Cunningham. I mean, they won a big game the other day without Kate Cunningham, but West Virginia, doing well as well. So I'm pulling out my friend, the quarter again, I did this for a Minnesota game earlier in the year. This actually is a West Virginia coin. So it has some relevancy. Well, yeah. So <laughs> we're going, the tails is the West Virginia side, which is West Virginia, 1863. That's, that's the West Virginia. If it's on heads, it is Oklahoma state and Cade Cunningham. So let's see what happens here. We have heads, so it's going to be Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham. That's my pick there over West Virginia. I had the West Virginia coin out. Hopefully, I can land on the tails, but, you know, I have to go with Oklahoma State. The coin has decided on Thursday in the Mountain West, which has not disappointed all year long. Nevada goes on to take Boise State in that quarterfinal at 530 on CBS Sports. Colin, who's your pick there? I'll go with Boise State, their team I really like right now to make some noise in the tournament. They're kind of a dark horse, so I'm riding with the Broncos here. I'm going to agree I'm gonna agree with you there. Boise State going to take the victory over Nevada. Nevada's had an all right year, not too good, not too bad. Without Eric Musselman, they haven't really been much and since that big year in 2018 or 2017, what it was. So I'm taking Boise State as well, and, you know, Maybe they can win the Mountain West. That, that I think it's the only opportunity at making the tournament. Another bubble team there, Boise State is probably one of their best seasons in program history. But San Diego State also a heck of a team up there with the Broncos. Also on Thursday, number twenty Texas Tech takes on number thirteen Texas in the Big Twelve quarterfinal on nine thirty p.m. at nine thirty p.m. on ESPN two. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Longhorns. Texas Tech has lost a couple games in the past couple of days, and Texas is coming off a couple of wins that are pretty big for them. So I'm going to take the Texas Longhorns over the Red Raiders. I think I've just bought all in in Texas Tech right now. Mac McClung is really taking this team to the promised land. I think I know they're number 20. I know they've kind of slid a little bit, but I still like the Red Raiders, and I think they make a little run here in the Big 12 tournament. And then our last game, of course, the A-10 game of the week. And, Colin, this is probably the biggest A-10 game of the week we've ever had. First of all, it's probably not going to be canceled, knock on wood. Thank the Lord. But we have number two, VCU, taking on number one, a St. Bonaventure in the Atlantic 10 Championship at 1 p.m. on CBS next Sunday at the UD Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Colin, who's your pick with this one? I'm going with VCU. It's hard to pick against Bones Highland right now. I think he's probably the most talented player in the A-10, probably number one. I mean, I feel like he can't go to the NBA, as you talked about before, um, but he's just the best player. I get St. Bonaventure probably has a better team overall, but Rhodes is a great coach for VCU. I feel like he takes them over the top here. They're used to the moment, so I'll take the Rams here. Although I do think both these teams can make it to the tournament, this game definitely helps. No, yeah, both these teams are locked for the tournament, in my opinion. VCU is already in, in St. Bonaventure's easily and with that win over Duquesne, the quarterfinal matchup. So I believe both these teams are in. It really just helps when it comes to seeding. I feel like if you're an A-10 fan, you obviously want VCU to win because St. Bonaventure would be a lower seed, but VCU would be a higher seed. And if St. Bonaventure, Bonaventure were to win, VCU would be a lower seed, St. Bonaventure would be a higher seed. So it really is pick your poison. But 
Last podcast, I picked St. Bonaventure through in and throughout to win this A-10 tournament as one of the most talented one seeds we've seen in a while since probably Rhode Island's 2018 team. So I'm going to take St. Bonaventure to win it. I'm not going back on my pick. I think they got the pieces. They just got an unbelievable team of guys around them. And, you know, I can't wait to look on 810 Twitter and see the trash talk between the two teams. It's going to be fun to see and, you know, fun to experience as, you know, this is one of the first times uh, or, or the only time I can remember that the, the 810 tournament is set up this way. So six days from the 810 tournament, I'm picking the St. Bonaventure, Bonnies, and Mark and, and, and Schmidt over. Uh, Mike Rhodes and VCU. That's going to do it for today's episode. Colin, we went over a couple of tickets punched. Of course, you guys lost the day in, but you know, we got a lot of college basketball left, whether it's, whether it's, you know, conference tournaments or March Madness. So we'll definitely have an episode out for you early next week with a little bit of bracketology and stuff like that. We'll give our picks and we'll, we'll figure out a way to somehow bring that in and bring it into our weekly picks. And as the final hurrah, for the season that's going to do it for this episode as always stay safe and roadie roadie roadie